Our reading is 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. This is the word of our Lord. It's great to be with you this morning. My name is Josiah. I'm our college minister here at the church. If you're new, we're so glad that you've joined us. I know we have parents in town for Parents Weekend. I've seen a lot of IU fan gear around town with proud, proud moms and dads sporting their Hoosier wear. Uh, so glad that you're here. Uh, Bob told me I could preach on anything I wanted this morning. So if you could go ahead and open up to Song of Solomon chapter 2. I wanted to see if he would ever give me that license again to preach on whatever I wanted. Just kidding. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Open up your Bible if you have it. Um, All the metaphors here are about sports and the life of faith, so I think we'll all feel a little bit more comfortable with that. Guys, I am all about sports. If you don't know me, I love competing in sports. My current interest is triathlons. Races where you swim and bike, and then for me, I cramp up and I walk and wonder why I signed up when I'm supposed to be running. Um, That's really how it often goes. Uh, People ask me, man, how do you have time to train for three sports? And it's actually really simple. You could do it too. Here's the key. Anytime you want to do something fun or relaxing, just go work out instead. That's all it really takes. It's very simple. Um... I also really enjoy watching sports. I'm from the city of Pittsburgh. Feel free to boo if you're a Bengals or Ravens fan. Uh, Pittsburgh, it's a city of many nicknames. You may be familiar with some of them. It's Steel City, the Steel City. It's the city of bridges. Um, My favorite nickname for the city of Pittsburgh is the City of Champions. City of Champions, yes, between... The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Pirates, and the Penguins, this spring with the Stanley Cup win of the Penguins, we ran out of fingers to hold championship rings. It's a great problem to have. Uh, I have to tell you, I've been to more Steelers and Pirates and Penguins games than I can even remember. And those are some great fan experiences. Pittsburgh, it's a blue-collar town. So every time I go to a game, I just get covered in spit from the people behind me, and I learn a whole lot of new words. Uh, it's It's a great time. But I have to tell you, my my all-time favorite sporting event experience wasn't in the city of Pittsburgh. It actually came on a frigid December night in 2012 when I stepped into an arena that I'd never before been and saw this spectacle of fan energy that just totally put the steel city to shame. As I stood in these stands at Assembly Hall that literally shook, I took in the, the sights around me. It was very strange and new to me. The cool kids in the crowd were wearing these pants that looked like a barbershop pole. Any place I'd been previously, only clowns dressed like that. And you know how it goes. At different points, people would start singing the school, the school fight song. And those grumpy old guys who would yell at the ref and thought they knew more than the coach, they sang the loudest and they knew all the hand motions. It really caught me off guard. 
but this was a new generation of Hoosier heroes, guys. We're talking Jordy Halls, Victor Oladipo, Cody Zeller, all these superstars. Man, I was so into it. We played the North Carolina Tar Heels, and we won by 30. Unless you went to North Carolina, you love to see the Tar Heels lose because they, for some reason, think they're so much cooler than everybody. It was amazing. I loved it. I have to tell you, man, I was hooked. I was absolutely hooked. What an experience. Now sports. Let's, let's be honest. We all know it's not about whether you win or lose, but it's about how you play the game. That's what we tell emotionally fragile children when they lose. Let's really be honest. Character development matters. It matters. But isn't trying to win the whole point of playing the game in the first place? That's why we play sports. Somebody's got to win. And boy, isn't it fun when it's you. Hoosier fans get that. We play to win. And in this passage that we just read, the Apostle Paul knows that the people in the city of Corinth, these believers in this church, they get that too. And so he writes to them and he uses the athletic contest as a metaphor to encourage them in their walk of faith. Let me give you a little bit of background info on this letter. Paul is writing to a church that he planted. He started this church. He served there as their pastor and he's now moved on. But he's hearing some really unsettling things about these folks. Factions are forming amongst the people in the church. They're dividing against one another saying, oh, I side with this Christian superstar leader. I'm with Paul. I'm with Apollos. And so he knows, man, this is bad for the church, and they don't need that drama. Corinth is a difficult enough place for them to be believers as it is. This is a large city with many different ideologies and worldviews represented. People in the church were presented with a thousand different thoughts on what it looked like to live out a person's life. And so many of them were in contradiction with Scripture. Some people in the church were just failing, struggling and failing to live as a countercultural people, people who showed what it looks like to be different as followers of Jesus Christ. They were even taking their newfound freedom from sin as a license to do whatever they wanted. Hey, we're free from sin. God's not going to penalize us. We're forgiven all because of grace. We're not held to a moral code to justify ourselves. And so we might as well live it up. That was their attitude. And so they were absolutely self-destructing, living in immorality harming themselves in their own personal walks of faith, destroying their community and any kind of witness to the people around them. So Paul writes to get them back on track. And in the part of the letter you just heard a few minutes ago, Paul offers some spiritual coaching to remind them of what faith in Christ is really about at its most foundational level. And he writes to motivate them to actually live in light of that truth. So check out 1 Corinthians 9. 24 through 26, Paul writes in verse 24, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Like I said, this would have hit right home with the Corinthians. You may know the most popular sporting event in ancient Greece was the Olympic Games that took place in the southwest of that country. But every other year, when it was a non-Olympic year, the second largest sporting event in ancient Greece took place in the city of Corinth. And so if you know anything about Corinth, it was right where northern Greece and southern Greece meet. Any geography people out there? That's called an isthmus. And so 
they called that sporting event the Isthmian Games. It's hardly a surprise to me that that game didn't quite, uh, that competition didn't quite stick around like the Olympics because people of all generations have surely felt as awkward as I do trying to say the word Isthmian. Man, what a terrible name. Surely they could have done better. So Paul, he talks here about athletic competition as a way of understanding the Christian life. It's the perfect way to connect with these folks. Do you not know, in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way as to receive it. The Greek word translated race there is stadion. And stadion was a unit of measure used in ancient Greece, about 600 feet or 200 meters. So if you've ever been to a high school football field or track, you know 200 meters, that's half a lap. So here's what Paul is saying to this church. Imagine it. You're at the games. The moment has finally come. Your race is called to the line. You're standing there. You're nervous. That breakfast you ate three hours ago, it feels like a cement block in your stomach. How are you going to approach this? You're going to go all in. This is going to take all you have to give. You've prepared for this moment. How bad do you want it? One of my all-time favorite sport moments comes from the 1988 Olympics. An Australian man named Duncan Armstrong was competing in the 200-meter freestyle swimming race. And he came into the Olympics ranked 46th. Surely you'd think, man, this guy should be glad to be there. Only three people medal. But somehow, Duncan Armstrong made it all the way to the rounds to the final of that event. Only eight people make it. So that was really a huge accomplishment for him. Also in the final were the current world record holder and the two previous world record holders. Odds of getting a medal aren't very good. But the race goes off. It takes a little bit less than a minute and 50 seconds. And by halfway, Duncan Armstrong is having the race of his life. It looked like he could even have a chance at winning a medal, which would have just been incredible. And so they come to the final turn. He comes off the last wall, and it looks like he's absolutely shot out of a cannon. Coming down that last length of the pool, everyone is slowing down, but Duncan Armstrong, he's speeding up. He comes to the finish. He reaches out. He touches the wall in first place. It was a huge upset. No one saw this coming. Not only did Duncan Armstrong win the Olympics, but he broke the world record and beat the three previous world record holders in doing so. And so after the race, this TV anchor goes into the stands where his friends and family are all there. His coach is there. It's an Australian guy. His name is Laurie Lawrence. His real name is Lawrence Lawrence, but who does that to a kid? Uh, Lawrence Lawrence. This guy's a real character in the sport of swimming. We have a video. You can go ahead and hit play. This is Lori Lawrence's reaction. <laughs> what do you think we come here for? Silver? Stuff the silver. We come for the gold. I love it. In our passage this morning... Paul gets in the Corinthians' face with his spiritual coaching. He says, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Stuff the silver, we come for the gold. 
Folks, he's saying there's a fundamental objective to racing. You run to win. And think about the Christian life. God gives an experience of his grace, new life and freedom in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And just like an athlete races to win, there's a fundamental objective to our faith. To trust Jesus as we journey through life and grow to become like him as the Holy Spirit works inside of us to transform us into his image. Don't drift through your life half-heartedly, Paul says. Don't be saved but stalled out in your faith, jogging along, finishing to a little pity clap there at the end. He says, you say the good news of Jesus Christ is everything to you? Then do this thing right. Be in it to win it. He tells them, that's not going to happen by default. If you want to run this race of faith well, you're going to have to work for it. It's going to take commitment. Look at verse 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. He's saying showing up is not enough if you want to accomplish something worthwhile. I've been here at ECC for six years as a college minister. Before I moved here, I coached college track and field athletes. And I had an athlete who was a very talented runner. He was very successful, championship caliber in high school. He had all the tools physically he needed to succeed at the Division I level. And this student, he told me when he first came to school and numerous times while he was there, Coach, I'm going to be an All-American. I love to hear that. I wanted to see it happen. There was only one problem. Every time there was a break, summer break, fall break, Christmas break, this kid would go home, and instead of doing any training, he would camp out on the couch and eat mama's chocolate chip cookies. By the time we'd get to the end of the season when championships are here, he's finally starting to roll around into some semblance of shape. But let me tell you, he was never an All-American, never even close to it. The talent was wasted. Successful performance requires preparation. Paul says that effective preparation involves exercising self-control, eliminating habits that set us back and implementing ones that move us forward. Think about our spiritual lives. This means that if we, want to be pe- if we want to become people who trust Christ, no matter what comes our way, if we want to become people that others would look at and see Jesus in us, that's not going to come by default. If we want a shot at the prize, we're going to have to work for it. What does that entail? It means that we need to be people committed to being in God's word, taking in scripture, allowing God to work it into our hearts and minds and transform us by it. It means we've got to root ourselves in prayer, relying on the power of God at work inside of us to make us people who reflect him, people who live faithfully to him in the world where we're presented with so many challenges. We've got to be active in seeking to grow our faith on a daily basis. But here's something in the text that's incredibly important. Paul says if we want our training to count, we've got to approach it with the right mindset. Look at verse 26. I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 
He's saying, you're not going to see me wasting my energy. When it comes to pursuit of growth in Christ, my hope isn't in self-discipline. I work hard, but my hope is in the power and in the ability of God who works within me to make all of my effort actually count for something. Do you know what he's talking about? I do. I can tell you, I've had struggles with sin in my life that have ate at me for years. I've wrestled with inconsistency in reading scripture and coming to God and prayer and felt super guilty about it and completely unable to change myself, no matter how bad I felt. Have you ever been there? Let me tell you, I can discipline myself all I want with no success, but when I finally get sick of trying to change myself, pulling myself up by my own bootstraps, when I come to God desperate for him to work in me, he flips a switch. If I'll depend on him, if I'll lean into him and ask him to provide, something changes. I can't explain it. It's the power of God. We work together with Christ to become more like him. Listen to how Paul puts it in Colossians chapter 1. I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Man, that's a great combo if we want to be transformed by the power of God. I strenuously contend. I work with all my might with the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And so we discipline ourselves in the pursuit of becoming more like Jesus, but we do so with full dependence on God who works within us because it's him who will make our efforts count. So think about this passage as a whole. What's really happening here is Paul is laying down a challenge for the Corinthian church. It's going to take effort. It's going to require trust in a God these people cannot see and a God outside of their control. But Paul tells them this life of faith, get after it with all you've got because it's worth it. There's a prize on the line. He says, athletes compete for a crown that will not last, but our prize is a crown that lasts forever. You know as well as I, no matter how great the accomplishments of any athlete are, it's only a matter of time before they're forgotten. Those of you out there who've run a 5K, who've run a marathon, you all know it's only a matter of time before that medal ends up in your junk drawer. But if we'll run our race of faith well, we receive a prize that never grows old. It's an eternal reward that God promises to all who live this life of faith. And that goal, that's what drives us forward as we follow after Jesus for all of our days. Paul says, man, I do not want to forget that. I don't want to make a life of preaching Christ myself and then get to the end and realize I absolutely missed it. I don't want to tell everyone else about Jesus and miss out myself on what this whole life of faith is about. I don't want to get out to the end and find out that I myself am disqualified from receiving the prize. What's he saying here? Paul's not saying I'm concerned that I'm going to get to my last days and realize that I was not truly saved. That is not what Paul's saying. Paul is saying here, I don't want to miss out on the rewards that come from living a life marked by genuine faith in Jesus Christ. And some of those rewards we'll experience in the life to come, 
But what I want to say to you this morning is, is not the life of faith a reward itself in the here and now? I mean, think about it. Walking through life in relationship with Christ, through our circumstances, in fellowship with him, confident that he's with us no matter what we face, knowing that his grace will be sufficient for us when we feel absolutely bankrupt ourselves. I mean, what's more valuable than that? And how about the experience of becoming more like Christ and less like the messed up parts of myself that I wish I could ignore? I wouldn't mind experiencing a little bit of that reward in the here and now. I'm sure my wife wouldn't, remind, wouldn't mind me experiencing it a little bit more in the here and now either. This is Paul's coaching conversation here with the Corinthian church. It's a challenge to them to pursue Christ with all they have. How about us in our lives? Let's talk about what you've been thinking this whole time I've been preaching. Man, doesn't our sin nature mess things up for us when it comes to getting after Christ with all that we have? I mean, here's an inside conversation. Between you and I, sometimes I get super distracted from what actually matters and absolutely obsessed with things that are temporary and trivial. (laughs) Sometimes I am downright spiritually lazy. I would much rather hit refresh on my Google News feed than consider the state of my own heart and come to God in prayer. That's out there. You identify with it. Let me tell you, I read this passage and I see the words that Paul's writing to this church and I want to change. I see these words and I know I need to change. I don't want to miss out on what could have been if I disciplined myself to live out this faith Live out this life of faith like the good news really is everything. Like the power of God really is able to change me. Make me more like Christ. Have other people see him in me. I don't want to get to the end and say, I wish I would have given it all I had. If you're there, would you join me this morning? Let's turn back to Christ together. We can't change ourselves. We better get that straight right up front. But I do not think any one of us is beyond the point where if we come to God and say, God, would you work in my life? Would you transform my heart? Would you give me a hunger that can only be satisfied by you? A desire to run after you with all I've got for all of my days. That I would know you and become a person who others can see you in me. I do not think God is going to deny that prayer, folks. God will not deny that prayer. Let's turn back to Christ. Let's ask him to give us what we need to run our race well all the way to the finish. Let's do that together this morning. I want to wrap up with two practical thoughts. Something you've heard me mention a few times throughout this message is Scripture and prayer as ways of growing in our faith. I know there are a lot of ways we can approach discipleship as followers of Christ, but I know for sure that if we are not committed to those two practices, there is no way we are going to be able to grow in our faith in Christ. If we're not in his word, asking God to work it into our hearts, if we're not bringing our lives to him in prayer on a daily basis, how's that going to happen? I mean, Jesus prayed for his own disciples. Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. The Holy Spirit speaks truth into our lives and transforms us 
to the image of Christ as we bring that word into our minds, take it into our hearts, and ask God to do his work inside of us. We've got to discipline ourselves to do that. It takes time. It requires consistency. This might mean changing our schedules around a little bit. Something that I found very helpful personally in my own devotional life and being consistent in reading scripture, this isn't going to sound super holy, but it's getting into a Bible reading plan where I have a plan set in front of me that tells me this is what you need to read today. If I give myself that goal of accomplishing a plan and steps along the way to get there, I am so much more consistent. I'm going through a Bible reading plan myself right now. I've given many of our students copies of those plans. If you're interested in a Bible reading plan, I'd love to pass one on to you. Uh, We have plans where you can read through the Old Testament and New Testament in a year. You can read through chunks of each in a 60-day period, 90-day period, six months. Send me an email. It's on the back of your bulletin. I'd love to pass one of those along to you. When you read, I'd encourage you to choose one word, phrase, or verse that stuck out to you, made an impact on you. Bring it to God in prayer. Ask him to help you apply it in your life, and then pray about anything else on your heart and your mind for that day. One last thing. Our growth in Christ requires being in real relationship with one another. Two absolute essentials to growing in faith our encouragement, and accountability. And let me tell you, you are never going to be able to provide those things for yourself. And so it is such a wonderful thing for us to be here together and worship this morning as it is every Sunday. To hear God's word proclaimed, words of truth, to sing praise to him. It's a wonderful thing, but I very much hope that this is not your only corporate expression of faith in your life. We all need to find a place to get real And to go deep in relationships, that's how we grow deeper in relationship with God. We've got to find places to get connected. There are some great opportunities for you to do that here at ECC. We have ACGs, our adult community groups, Big Kids Sunday School. Uh, We have small groups for everyone in this room. So if you want to get connected, we'd love to help you find a place. You've got to find a place to connect. What it comes down to is we're all part of a team as we run this race. I need you. You need me. Let's get after it together. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that it encourages us. I thank you for the way it challenges us. It convicts us. God, as we approach your word this morning... We ask that you would give us faith in our everyday lives. That we wouldn't fall asleep, that we wouldn't coast through without purpose. But that we would be people who live each day with the goal in mind, God. To be people who trust you no matter what we face. To be people who look to you as our great provider, God, no matter what challenges come to our path to be people who rely on you, depend on you, rather than ourselves, God. We're so weak, but your spirit inside of us is strong, God. We know that if we'll come to you and express our need, you'll meet it so completely, as you've already met it completely for us in Jesus Christ. And so I pray for anyone here, God, who's looking to trust you this morning in a new way,
that you would meet them, God, with more grace. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.